How would you define creativity? Are you born creative? Why is creativity important for work and play? All questions I ask of my guests. Real people living real lives. Interesting, thought-provoking and inspiring. Creative Conversations with me, Jacqueline Goddard. Enjoy. Thank you very much for coming along. And this is Kevin Mann, who is from Permission to Play. And you call yourself, I notice, a creativity fan and marketing strategist. Uh, so yeah. in terms of a creativity fan, what, what, would you, what is a creativity fan? Uh, well, it's someone who, who who's really passionate about creativity and uh, and loves creativity in every you know part of life. That's that's really what it's about. To me, I think creativity is is what make a lot of makes a lot of us tick. Certainly makes business tick, and um, and and that's why uh, I think the reason I call myself a creativity fan is just to to get across that actually there isn't enough creativity out there, and you know we need a lot more people who champion creativity in all walks of life. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know designing cities or um, you know producing artworks it doesn't doesn't really matter uh, what it is or dealing with uh, crises like covid or anything else like that creativity yeah. actually is is you know an important part of that so that's yeah. all it is just saying yay for creativity yes yeah no i'm right there with you right there with you i mean and, I, and, I, and my my whole thing is that that people don't really appreciate the creative industries and you know that how much creativity is a part of who we are um, you know, in our everyday lives. Um, so, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit? I mean, obviously, we met um, through our work with Heart, which is the art therapy charity based here in Hampshire. Um, you volunteering and me working yeah. with them on their sort of partnership side of things, and we kind of came together because of the permission to play thing. I was quite gobsmacked when I when we had a, started a conversation and you told me about your website permission to play and I was like well that, that's exactly what I do in my drama classes with my adults it's I give I give them permission to play that's why they come to, they, that's why you know they come to me and we do what we do so yeah. tell us a little bit about permission to play and how how it came about and and your kind of journey to, to mm. get there yeah well I mean my background is in marketing particularly marketing in financial services with some of the large banks and other um, outsourcing companies and, and things like that, um, particularly as an interim director. So I'd come in as an interim marketing director to uh, large organizations that were going through a lot of change. Either they were uh, merging with other uh, organizations or they were having to, um, to, to, to change the way they were behaving because their markets were changing, uh, were changing faster than they were changing. So I would come in and, and, and help them to adapt to those new circumstances and, and try to um, you know, try to, to get them to come up with new strategies uh, and certainly new answers to the problems that their customers were asking them to, to solve. And one of the biggest frustrations that I found in going through all of these different and quite a few different organizations was um, that a lot of people tried to just do what they'd always done. So there was a reticence to actually be creative, inventive, uh, be adaptable. Uh, and that's really where permission to play came from is because I spent most of my time in these, in these organizations actually helping them to be creative. Uh, I didn't need to find the answers to, uh, you know, what their customers uh, wanted. They needed to find those answers. And it was just giving them the, uh, I suppose, really the courage and the confidence to be creative themselves, to innovate, to try things 
uh, to test things um, and really to also listen to their customers and see what different views were coming out from there. So that's where permission to play came from. It really took a lot of the activities that uh, I was doing in, in, that, uh, in that type of role uh, and packaged it into, uh, I suppose, an innovation program. So what I produce is a 12-week innovation program that um, uh, takes people through a whole innovation cycle from uh, really just understanding what problems are out there that potentially they want to solve and then takes them through how to understand those slightly better, how to take different perspectives on them uh, and then how to come up with different ideas on uh, different ways of solving those problems and we take them through uh, associative thinking and then also look at some scientific uh, approaches and then to create prototypes for some of their answers uh, on there and eventually what they do and these, these tend to be teams of 30 or 40 people split into teams of five or six and at the end of it they come together to pitch their ideas to an innovation panel which is comprised of you know executives from the company but also some uh, specialists from outside and they pitch their, their ideas to those panels uh, for a winning idea and then the, the you know the, the executives tend to give them the board there tends to give them a, a prize for the winning solution now there could be solutions that they might want to implement within the organization but actually the important thing is about giving people the chance and the time to play, to practice, you know, creative thinking uh, and to try different things. And it's just saying to them, look, here's some free time for you to do that. You can do it over 12 weeks. It takes, um, you know, certainly an amount of commitment each week by the individuals, but it's only a few hours a week. So it's not um, you know, overly onerous. And it really gives them a chance to open up and, and, and uh, come out with some brilliant, um, you know, ideas and potential Know, new developments and innovations that they could take forward yeah so yeah i mean i i have to say we did uh, we did one uh, session uh, together that i was part of with the uh, civica um mm. and i was i was gobsmacked actually at how playful uh, the participants were considering, you know, obviously they were software designers. They, they didn't have, you know, they had no desire to do what I was asking them to do, I don't think. But mm. it, it seemed that they actually really enjoyed it. Do, do, I mean, were there light bulb moments for some of those people going through that process? Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, and for a lot of them, it was quite surprising how very simple things were the things that, that were the, the light bulb moments that, that showed them that actually there's very simple things they can do to, to, to be a lot more inventive in, in the way they, they tackle things. I mean, part of the, um, the days that you were involved in, uh, that was at the very beginning of, of uh, the 12 week session that, uh, that they did. And that was specifically about getting them to really release some of their inhibitions uh, and to actually say, look, you can just let loose and, and do stuff and it's fine. It will just be funny if it isn't right. That doesn't really matter. So um, I think, and that worked really well, that sort of role playing activity that, that, uh, that you were doing really well to really worked well to help them to, you know, to, to lose some of those inhibitions. Yeah. Yeah. And quite often I think it is the, the fact that people, don't give themselves permission they, they kind of get to a point in their lives where they think well I'm an adult now I'm a grown-up so I can't play anymore and actually just in the process of playing gives people the space to be creative and I don't think people kind of make that connection necessarily they as you say they have to be given permission to do it otherwise yeah. they, they don't bother you know we watch children play all the time um, and we give them permission to play but as adults that seems to disappear so in terms of, of your own creativity, because it, it seems to me, and you, I, I saw somewhere that you'd written that you wanted to be an artist growing up, yeah. uh, and you, you still do. And it, mm. it, it feels like you don't, fight, you don't think of yourself as, as creative in that way. So is there a difference between uh, 
being a creative and being an artist, do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, an artist is creative, but it's only one element of creativity. You know, to me, actually, uh, creativity, you know, an artist is creative, but so is a scientist, um, so is an inventor, um, so is an accountant to, in many ways. So creativity isn't really just about the arts, uh, although that's a, a critical part. So do I think of myself as creative? Yeah, I, do, I absolutely do. Um, think I am creative and we can probably talk about what I think creativity is and, and how it works and those sort of things in a bit but for me uh, the reason I don't consider myself an artist is simply because you know art was something I wanted to do and when I came uh, to the UK um, I tried to get into art college but because I'd studied mainly you know maths and science and the school I was in just didn't do uh, art um, they wouldn't let me into art college and so from there I went down the, you know more of a business route of marketing and uh, other things like that mainly because marketing was a creative uh, sector, if you like. I could spend other people's money to do creative things, which to me sounded wonderful. Um, and it has been great. Um, but it was that thing that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get into art college, so I couldn't study art. Um, and I've always wanted to, I do a lot of photography and I used to do a lot of drawing and things like that. Um, but through my career, I've never had the opportunity of actually to do art in a more commercial, you know, art as a um, you know fine art if you like yeah. in a commercial way so that's really why I don't consider myself an artist and would still love to do that I mean if you know if you told me that tomorrow you could give everything up and just paint or draw for a living I would do that um, but I don't think I'm there yet and I probably need to <laughs> learn how to paint and draw first so. <laughs> well, just give yourself permission you, you know, exactly you know, that. <laughs> um, so going back to that then uh, what is your definition of creativity how, how would you define creativity yeah. well for me creativity is just applying imagination to um to creating something or to producing something so that something could be a piece of art uh, but it could be a new invention or it could be solving a problem you know uh, how to you know get rid of the plastic in the oceans that, those sort of things so it doesn't have to be related to to the creative industries as as you know as general or the arts in general it's just about using that imagination um, in in a very practical way I mean, certainly uh, the the I suppose the definitions that psychologists and others um, use for creativity is producing something that's new you know that's novel that that's you know uh, something that's that's unique uh, but is also useful that's one of the definitions that comes up is you know creativity is about producing something new but also useful for the world um, and to me I think that's probably where I see it as, as uh, that fits with my view of creativity and therefore marketing is creative, business is creative um, and innovation, you know, product design is creative, marketing campaigns are creative um, and, you know, designing cities, designing streets, designing, um, you know, uh, railways, anything else like that can really use creativity to get the best results for, for the world and for anyone using it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there, uh, uh, the problem-solving side of creativity yeah. and yeah. um, so it just it, it made me think of the fact that you traveled halfway across Mongolia without a map yeah. uh, and and to me that seems quite a creative way of doing uh, well it know, wasn't intentional <laughs> it wasn't intentional I'd uh, yeah. uh, I was uh, I'd lent my map to someone else and then forgotten <laughs> to get it back <laughs> and we'd we'd uh, gone in different directions uh, so I had to carry on. You know, I wasn't quite sure exactly where. I mean, Mongolia is fairly big. Yes. I wasn't exactly sure where they'd where they'd got to, so I carried on. I knew there were mainly two. You know, there were two main routes 
um, from where I was. I was in uh, Western Mongolia, trying to get to Ulaanbaatar in the, in the center, more or less. Uh, there was a northern route, which was quite difficult, and a, a southern route, um, you know, just sort of skirting the top of the Gobi Desert that was uh, a bit easier. So I just did that one. Um, and yeah, I mean, from time to time, you'd stop and ask people and just, you know, all you need to say is Ulaanbaatar and ask a direction. They would generally point, and of course, there's no roads. So you would have to try to say, look, <laughs> Yeah, is there a path or anything? Um, but, uh, you know, it's surprising how easy you can, particularly in spaces like that, how easy you can pick up on things that help you to guide yourself uh, around. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, certainly the stars, uh, I know where the North Star is, so I could certainly use that to some extent at night. So that would, you know, give me a view of where I needed to set off in the morning. Uh, but also, there's very few cities or towns, um, but what connects them is uh, the electricity pylons. So as long as you follow the pylons, then you know you're going to the next town. Yeah. Um, and that was probably one of the, the, the lifesavers was just following the pylons, as long as you could see them in a the distance, because you couldn't always follow them uh, very closely, but you could, if they went over a you know, mountain range or a ridge or something like that, you would have to skirt around. Um, so, you know, in the end, you know, I, I got there. Luckily, um, I met up with some other people who, have, you know, more or less doing the same journey as me just before I got into the city, um, into Ulaanbaatar, and they had a map of where they were going in the city because I didn't have that either. So, uh, and that was, um, yeah, that was great because I would never have found my way around, around the city no. uh, in that respect, so. So I suppose, it, is, it, is it more creative trying to get back? I mean, it's, it's, it's okay when you're kind of going somewhere that you've never been before, but then to, yeah. to, find, your, to, to find your way home must be more, uh, well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that was my end destination, but I mean, uh, and so I just flew back from there. I, I left the car in Ulaanbaatar, donated it uh, to charity and, and flew back. But actually, you know, getting lost is one of the, you know, I think one of my favourite things to do. I just love getting lost uh, anywhere um, just to explore places. Uh, and I mean, I'll quite often do trips to, to various countries and I'll, you know, I love spending a few days where you just go off and take a path and see where it takes you. Yeah, you know you're never going to get too far from anything serious, or you certainly make sure you don't get too far from any anything um, you know from civilization or, or access to uh, you know to water and food and, and things like that and shelter. Um, but you know it's a great thing to do, and even in you know major cities, I worked in Zurich for quite a few years, and I would you know quite often just go and just wander around aimlessly to see what the city was like, yeah. uh, particularly parts of the old city and things like that. I had no idea where I was going, no idea what I was looking at, um, but it's a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I did hear a story that only yesterday of a, of a woman that had uh, gone for a hike, left her car, left her phone, gone for a hike and got herself lost. And 17 days later, she was found. Uh, she'd mm. fallen down a cliff, she'd broken her leg. She'd, you know, she, I mean, she literally had to survive for 17 days. Um, and she came out and, and she said at one point she had, she just kind of said, right, I, I, I want to open my eyes again. She sat there and closed her eyes. I want to open my eyes. And when I open my eyes, I want the fear to be gone. Um, and so she, she kind of prayed on that, I suppose. And when she opened her eyes, the fear had gone and kind of intuition had taken over. So she had decided not to be frightened of what was happening, but just to be as intuitive as she could. Um, is, is that something, I mean, is that intuition something that you've maybe brought into, into your sort of, your life now that that might have stemmed from being lost or getting lost 
Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I was never quite lost in that serious way. <laughs> so uh, I always try to have a, a bit of safety net there. But absolutely, like, you, you do follow your intuition. And, and quite often, it's absolutely right. You'd be surprised yeah. at how easily you do get things right when you are just going by, you know, by your gut, effectively, by your instinct. And, and um, a lot of it is just hardwired, I suppose, in there. And you've probably picked it up from uh, a life of experiences and things like that. So, you know, um, directions or things you can try you know what you're capable of doing um and as long as you focus on those and, and keep positive you generally get through it so yeah. absolutely yeah brilliant um, and before we leave the the subject of uh, of getting lost in strange countries i'm really intrigued by this language that you made up when you were at school and how that well, how yeah. that worked why it worked and why I mean, how worked. creative is that to actually make yeah. up create your own language well, it's, I mean, language is actually one of the things that's quite amazing. And the number of languages that are out there in the world and continuously evolving and changing, they're one of the demonstrations, really, of how creative people people are. Um, the language, actually, it's just, um, we were at a French school in Italy, in Rome. Um, and all it was was a pidgin French, effectively, between French and Italian, um, which all the students spoke um, because they were all fluent French, fluent Italian, and they, they just merged the two, naturally merged the two languages together. So you would have, um, you know, predominantly French with Italian words, franchised or whatever the word is uh, to, to, to the language. Um, and, you know, it's quite amazing that they all all spoke that. In fact, one of the teachers started a dictionary of, uh, of the language, which is called uh, Chateaubriand, uh, that the school was uh, Lycée, Lycée Chateaubriand. And so they just uh, use that and yeah I still speak it with friends from school and my brother and others uh, like that so that's and that's that's where a lot of the pigeon you know pigeon English pigeon French that's where all of those things come from it's where languages are are forced and merged together yeah. I think there was a, um, a book or something here in the UK probably back in the 80s or something called Franglais where they mixed yeah. English and French together so it's nothing different mm -hmm. uh, yeah. nothing, nothing different from that but it's amazing how you know, you can, borrowing words from different languages, you can actually really embellish what you're saying and how you're talking, uh, and it gives a lot more meaning to things. Um, so, and in fact, you know, within the family, rather than just the school itself, we also borrow words from Swahili and, you know, other things like that, because that's, uh, I grew up in, in East Africa as well. So, we'll, you know, you'll, you'll embellish things and bring things in. And that's true of English language. I mean, English language is probably one of the ones that has being one of the greatest mixtures of, you know, some of the European languages, to, yeah. to be honest with you, it is a whole mixture of, of several, uh, several different uh, origins. So, yeah. 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 I, used, I, I grew up in, uh, in North London in, and there was quite a big Greek community. Mm. And, and so I went to school with uh, a, a lot of Greek kids and, uh, and worked in the fashion business, which was very uh, Greek orientated. And I used to love listening to them because they'd, they'd speak half Greek and half English. And yeah. it was like it, like it was a whole other language. It was it was it really intriguing. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Excellent. Um, yeah. Obviously, going back to where we met at Heart, um, and I mean, they do cr fantastic creative work and using art as therapy. Um, mm. I mean, how, how do you bring that? How did you end up wanting to volunteer for an arts therapy charity? And how do you think it benefits that sort of creativity and, mm. and well-being um, and mental health? How, yeah. how, how yeah. do those two meld together for you? Um, for me, I mean, just the fact it was something related to art and I have this background of wanting to be an artist so I thought it would be an opportunity to to mix with people who were 
arty, if you like. Um, so there was an element of that. I could probably absorb, learn some things that uh, I, would, I would love to learn without being able to go to, to study art or anything else like that at the moment. Um, but uh, in an environment that I thought would be you know, fairly relaxed where you're just, you know, you're just doing things together um, you know, so from, from that respect, that was, that was great. But also, um, one of my cousins, uh, is an art therapist in Ireland and she was always banging on about how great it is, you know, for people. Uh, so I thought it'd be great to see what she was talking about and see it in action and, and see how, um, you know, how it did help, um, people, uh, who were going through other stressful times or other issues or, or really just needed, um, some, some, some avenues to, to express themselves. Yeah. So that's really where it, where it came from. Yeah. And, and, and how have you seen that in action? I mean, I know obviously you volunteered for some of the groups. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed it. Um, there's because it's regular people who tend to, to, to come to them. You, you do start building a sense of, you know, sense of community, a sense, uh, you know, a, a group there. Um, and it is one where people can actually, um, start revealing some of their feelings and start talking about some sensitive issues and some key issues but doing it through the art actually just gives that um a, a little bit more protection security uh, and, and a guided way in which they can you know they can do that so uh, and quite often they'll do individual activities and sometimes they'll do similar activities but as a group um, and that you know i find that's uh, a very therapeutic way of, of thinking about these issues talking about these issues a lot of them positive, some of them negative, you know, and it's just a, a way of airing those. Um, and it's great seeing people try new things as well. So quite often we'll try, you know, do some clay work or do some, um, you know, whether it is drawing or painting. Um, and, um, you know, there's a whole variety of activities, art activities that, that take place. And it's just great seeing that little discoveries that people are making. Oh, I, that you can use that in that way or you can do this. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been fascinating. It's been great fun. Yeah. And so during, uh, during obviously the lockdown and isolation, how have you been creative? How, creative. What have you done? Well, I was, bit, <laughs> I was uh, part of me was uh, quite happy with the lockdown because I was actually at the, on the finals of some studying I was doing. I was doing a university course uh, and it was my finals coming up to uh, end of May, early June. <laughs> so I was quite happy to just lock myself away and, and focus on that. Um, it was a bit of an issue because my final project was based on um, uh, looking at you know, greening of cities, uh, in particular looking at how trees are incorporated into the design of, of new, new house building and cities and things like that. So I was due to do some field, quite a lot of field work, which of course I couldn't do. So I had to find creative ways of doing the field work um, to, to support the project and the research that I was doing for the, for the project. Uh, and that was great fun is actually trying to find different ways. And it's amazing what you can do now with the technology that's out there. I mean, using, uh, you know, Google Street View to be able to, <laughs> to be able to do some research on the quantity and types of trees that are in different types of locations and, and things like that. And um, using online theater lights to measure them and various other things. It was quite amazing what, what, what could be done. Um, so I was creative in that way, more, more studying and, and applying myself to things. I did actually do a bit of, um, so uh, I do a bit of photography on, uh, when I can on the side. And some of the stuff I was doing was more about actually filming insects and things like that in the garden uh, and birds and whatever else. But uh, um, most of it was studying. Yeah. <laughs> that was the yeah. creativity. 
Yes, no, and it is. And I, and I have to say, in, in isolation myself, it's been a fantastic time for learning. I mean, it just has, you know, and, and doing everything online and having literally, you know, Google at your fingertips to just be able to, to bring up all sorts of stuff. It's been, it really has been enlightening. I've met so many new, more new people uh, online, sort of through networking and, mm. and through sort of learning platforms. It's, it's been incredible. Um, and I even learnt in lockdown that, that so many other artists and creative people and so many creative innovations have come out of, of previous lockdowns, you know, mm. like the, the Black Death and, you know, the, the Renaissance, if, they, if it hadn't been for the plague that ravaged Europe back in the 14th, 15th, 14th century, then, you know, there wouldn't necessarily have been a Renaissance. Shakespeare yeah. spent most of his adult life in isolation in one way or, or another with the theatres locking down and he did some amazing writing. Isaac Newton did calculus, he was sent home from Cambridge University when all that closed down because of the plague um, and yeah he came up with his ideas around gravity sat in his back garden because he couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So yeah do you, I mean how do you feel about that sort of kind of innovation that comes from from a pandemic or you know a, a process that we've, we've, we've been through? Yeah and it's uh, certainly you know creativity quite often comes from something that jerks our mind into a different direction or, or gives us limitations that force us to, you know, to think and certainly then expand the imagination. Um, you know, that's, that's uh, one of, the, one of the, the, the key things. And so, you know, pandemics do both those things. A, they you know, give us a real jerk, if you like, to, to our lives and our thinking, uh, but also they again give us the limits uh, that, that can help us to focus uh, our thinking uh, in one, you know, one or two very clear directions, very you know, straightforward directions. So I think that's really where a lot of this, you know, this, uh, that's why crisis quite often, um, apart from, you know, the need to find solutions to things, but just the, the fact of this, you know, life has changed, there's something different. That's what creates the spark and the impetus to, to really push your imagination to then come up with uh, some yeah. of these. Uh, yeah some of these things yeah yeah and, and i think you know that need for solutions is is another big thing isn't it for, mm. certainly for innovation whether it's science or you know just finding other ways of doing things i mean i certainly yep. remember having a conversation with you uh, when i first started my business a couple of years ago about doing what i do online and thinking i couldn't possibly do that how, how could i teach drama online and here i am you know yeah yep. 18 months later having to do it and and doing yeah. it you know and enjoying yeah. it so yeah and you've done some pr brilliant plays online <laughs> ones i've seen so that's yes. that's worked really well yeah, yeah no, it's been great mm. i mean you know i know you you kayak and you're quite out on the seawall and and sort of on your bike and doing different things um is that a way that you kind of give yourself headspace do you do you find that you get creative yeah. if you're out doing doing that sort of activity yeah Absolutely. I mean, particularly, um, particularly the kayaking, because quite often, I mean, I'll go out throughout the whole year, uh, including, you know, if it's freezing temperatures and, and things like that. Uh, and here where we're on the coast, we're in a beautiful location um, where we've got, um, you know, some, some wonderful wildlife, particularly in the winter. There's all of the migratory birds and, and things like that because of the salt marshes uh, off, uh, off, you know, on the, on the Solent. Uh, so around uh, Key Haven and those areas and Livington to some extent um, and you know just being out there quite often you know quietly amongst all the birds you'll occasionally get a seal pop its head up and you know it's a wonderful place to actually just be mindful and still and just take it all in um, and for me it it certainly is a great place to de-stress take away 
a lot of the worries and just focus on very simple simple things um and yeah and quite often it's a it's a good opportunity to then start thinking about one thing or another just let your mind wander and and go off on in different uh, in different directions um absolutely yeah yeah brilliant brilliant so obviously you 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 uh are still doing the the permission to play and that's kind of online now and you've got the website um so what's new for permission to play what's what's coming up for for you well uh, the main thing i mean permission to play has mainly been uh, face to face so we, we've tended to lead these teams you know in in the offices and various premises and things like that so um we can certainly do that uh, online and we've done some of it just online particularly through zoom or anything else like that where we'll lead the teams uh, through a virtual uh, virtual classroom if you like uh, and get them to work together on their innovations um, but the next thing we really wanted to try to do is to produce something where people can uh, just follow in their own speed so just create an online uh, program where people can uh, go in and create their own program uh, and dip in as they want and take it take themselves through that innovation program over a I suppose 12 sessions if you like I mean you can do it over 12 weeks you can do it a bit faster if you like uh, but the 12 weeks allows you the time for ideas to to you know really coalesce and form and change and, and do things like that so hopefully in the autumn we'll have a self-guided if you like program for people uh, people to follow uh, on top of that then on the website I mean we're per permanently creating articles you know ideas thoughts um on how you know what things that tips that uh, can help people be more creative obviously for uh, permission to play it's about creativity in the workplace if you like so it is for businesses and not-for-profits uh, in developing their answers to whatever their market is asking them to, to to do so it's it's all about that type of uh, creativity um and we do have a free um, creativity playbook, if you like, which includes about 30, I think, 30 of the techniques that we certainly use on a regular basis on all of the workshops and, and uh, training that we take people through, which is free to download. Anyone can download that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, there's great articles on, on the website that we add from time to time that, that gives you tips and uh, ideas on how to take uh, innovation forward, really. Yeah. I mean, I just, I've got one in my head about the, the, the doodle bird. Can you just explain <laughs> what that is? Because that's a very quick creative yeah. prompt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. And um, I mean, all that is, is to show people that anyone can be creative. It's one of those things, you know, people will say um, a lot of the time that they can't draw. And we do ask people to uh, think by, you know, do some thinking by drawing and, you know, scribbling or, you know, uh, Try to think visually if you like and also creating prototypes and immediately people say well i can't draw i can't do anything uh, like that so to prove it to them uh, then we do this exercise called squiggle birds and all you do is <laughs> sorry all you do is um just do um a few random squiggles on a page you know about uh, six to nine circular squiggles on the page uh, and then we just show you how you can turn each one into a bird and each bird will be completely different. And all you do is add a beak um, wherever you, you know, it looks right, a little dot for an eye. Um, you can put a tail on there and then a couple of lines for, for feet. And it's amazing how each one of those can turn into quite an amazing bird creation. Uh, I mean, you could do, um, you could do birds because that's the one we, we tend to do it's easy simple for people to do you could do monsters how could, could you turn each squiggle into a monster a couple of googly eyes uh, some teeth or some fangs or something and again some feet or some hands yeah. um, and it just gets people into the mood to say actually 
when you're doing when you're thinking with your hands particularly for creativity and innovation you don't need to be a master draftsman you know stick men are fine a square for a building is fine yeah. it doesn't need to be perfect it's about the thinking process and it's it just gives people into that uh, into that creative mindset yeah and you know going back to kids it's that kind of you know doodling and and just drawing what's in your head just get it out on the paper it does it's not yeah. about what it looks like it's about uh, you know yeah. as you say it's about that process so do, yeah. you, do you think everybody's born creative do you think it's something that that we all have when we're born that and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think creativity is a muscle. So we're certainly born with it and everyone is born with it. It's something that's absolutely very human. Um, you know, when you think about all of the things that, you know, humans have created in the world, uh, including language is what we spoke about. But uh, it's how do you exercise that? And I think, you know, the critical thing is, do people uh, practice? Do they do things that help them to build um, the strength of their creativity and the versatility of their creativity and that's just practice it's just about exercising that muscle uh, and knowing some of the techniques that help you to exercise that that muscle so you know if creativity is about uh, doing something that's new or different how do you get to something that's new or different you know that's the that's the really difficult thing um, but actually it isn't difficult it, there are several things that creative people or uh, people that others see as creative do regularly and naturally and so as long as you do those same things you can be just as creative as you know einstein or anyone else it, it isn't uh, it isn't that difficult really it's just knowing those little little uh, little techniques yeah absolutely um, i mean you say that um, obviously what you what you do with permission to play gives people the mindset and the confidence to be creative um, yeah and so that you know that that's that's you think that's what people need it's it's, it's absolutely i mean the mindset is probably at the heart of it uh is if you've got the right mindset which is you know the ability to um to be happy if things go wrong you know at the end of the day being creative is just trying stuff so it probably will go wrong everything goes wrong let's just try it and see what goes right and how you can improve on that it's also um you know the w being willing to um think about things in a non-black and white fashion so you know it's fine for things to be contradictory or or not absolutely defined or anything else and being vague uh, so it's it's absolutely fine to think about things and explore things in that uh, in that way so it's this ability to to be happy with vagueness if you like in life and uh being happy to fail that gives you you know the, the confidence then to go out and try some of the things and try some of the techniques that that give you those that spark those new ideas that uh, you know develop those uh, those things so yeah. yeah i mean just probably the last question really but it just in terms of going into a creative environment um, a corporate environment as yeah. a creative person have you come across I mean, have you had to sort of deal with um, with corporates that really don't get it or that, that find it difficult to to let go in the, in a creative way? Yeah, I mean, I think um, what I find uh, within corporate environments, if you like, is actually um, generally the, the the leaders. So whether it's the CEOs or, or or the board do get it they feel people need to be more creative and in fact you know if you look at uh, recent research um you know um the the, the most in-demand skill or soft skill now for any um anyone any recruitment in in a professional capacity uh, the, the the most important soft skill is in fact creativity 
Um, and at Davos, they always call creativity, you know, uh, always say that creativity is one of the top three most in demand skills for, for, for industry and for business as a whole. Um, so I think the senior level, they absolutely get it. I think it's those, um, I think it's, it, it, it's those people in the middle who probably are more concerned about doing things wrong, you know, being seen in the wrong way or, or anything else like that, that need that courage, that need that permission to say, no, no, we want you to think, we want you to try things. Uh, we know not everything will go right, uh, but if you do it in the right way, we'll support you. So it is about giving those people that confidence and giving them the skill sets, you know, to, uh, to go off and to do that. I mean, uh, you know, Steve Jobs famously said, you know, creativity is just about connecting dots. It's just about connecting things. And that harps back to um, what a lot of the psychologists and researchers, certainly in, in, in the last century, have said. You know, it is uh, creativity is all just about uh, making these connections. So a lot of the stuff that we do is about giving them ways of making those new and unusual connections that give them something that actually could be quite a new and different way of answering you know whatever problem that they're they're, they're facing um one of the ones i find that they you know surprises them the most is um what we do is we get them to um to turn to so one of the things we say is um one of the skills you need to to adopt is to be able to beg borrow and steal so you know artists are always stealing ideas from from each other uh, well you know why not do that in anything that you're producing so you know go and steal ideas from how how anything is produced in other industries in other markets or, or in other ways but one of the places that's brilliant for actually borrowing ideas from is nature and there's a site called uh, asknature.org uh, where you can go uh, and you can have a look at how nature has answered a lot of the problems that we face and you know uh, let's be you know, realistic there probably isn't a problem that uh, we face that nature hasn't already answered um, and it's a great source of ways that nature tackles problems from communication to you know making transport systems work um, to designing uh, designing um, you know color schemes and other things like that it is I mean, it's a great website to to go on and, and have a play around with some of it gets quite scientific so depending on your background it might um, uh, get get a bit too in depth, but you don't have to go into all of that depth. It's just getting the, you know, some of the examples that, that are there, um, yeah. and using those for inspiration. Yeah, that's amazing. That is, I mean, and, and nature is something certainly um, during the lockdown that a lot of people have come to appreciate more, um, yeah. especially at a time with you know the climate crisis and and you know there's all that sort of going yeah. on at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think people do need to turn to nature more and and see that actually we can we are part of you know we are part of that bigger structure yeah. you know we are we should be looking to to look after ourselves within nature mm. oh absolutely um and you know the, the fact that we are part of the structure then brings um another thing which is called system thinking where you do look at yourself or look at whatever problem you're trying to face as part of this system and how the system overall works so quite often instead of trying to deal with one specific issue um, what we'll do is uh, we'll get people to think about well how how does the system it's uh, as a whole work and if we change one little thing how does it change the whole how does it change the whole system itself uh, we use the example of um, uh, Yellowstone National Park and the introduction of wolves back into the park 
and how that and hunters and how the interaction between hunters, wolves and wildlife changes then um, the rivers in the, in, in, in the park and erosion within the park. So you start, you know, making those connections and those um, uh, those loops and that that, that whole system uh, system thinking um, process that really then paints a much broader picture and, and quite some amazing things can happen by increasing hunting or decreasing hunting or changing one behaviour or another. Yeah, yeah, fascinating, fascinating, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kevin. That's that's been absolutely amazing. It's a you know, tell us uh, where people can get in touch with you and how they can find out more about what you're doing and the things we've been talking about today. So the best thing is probably just to go to the website, which is uh, permission to play or one word permission to play dot co, uh, and on there 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 certainly is uh, the blog with all of the articles, uh, the playbook people can download to. Um, to try some of the techniques uh, and certainly contact me on there as well if you'd like. Fabulous. Uh, thank you Kevin Mann from Permission to Play. Thank you Jackie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening and please subscribe, follow or like and if you'd like more information on me or my guests or would like to know how we could work together then visit the website www.atticasarts.com I'd love to hear from you.